right, all right, day 125. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, first and foremost, Happy New Year, right? Today is the first day of 2021. Uh, Happy New Year, and yeah, uh, myself, I know like everybody is praying (laughs) that this year would be so much greater um, and so much better than last year. Um, but nonetheless, we know that our God will be the same. He was He was good to us last year in the midst of badness, right? And he will be good this year. So, yeah, happy new year to everyone. I pray that you guys um, would enjoy the day and enjoy the year as well. All right, so Psalm 9, basically, it's this celebration. So Psalm 9 is a psalm of thanksgiving. We talked about this before. There are different genres of psalms. And psalm is this thanksgiving. And you know what the psalmist is thanking God for? His justice, right? Look at the text. So first, the first four verses, he is explicit. He's like, yo, I'm thanking you with my whole heart, God. Then he says, I will declare all your wondrous works. I love the idea here is that we don't just thank God in private in our bedrooms when no one is looking, but more than that, our thanksgiving and praise of him is in public in front of everybody so that they could see him as well. Then he goes on to say, I will boast, right? He says, I will boast about you. Um, One of the things, you know, one of the ways you can tell what someone loves is by listening to what they boast in, right? Do we boast in glory and big up Yahweh? Do we boast and glory and big up the God of the Bible to our families, to our friends, right? On our platforms, right? And then he gets specific and he says, yo, but the Lord sits in throne forever. He has established his throne for judgment and he judges the world with righteousness. He executes judgment on the nations with fairness. God's justice, guys, is just as much a reason to praise him as is any other facet of his being and his character. He is just right? That's what he is. And that is something that needs to be celebrated over and over and over again. And the psalmist knows that, you know, justice is usually good news to those on the margins of society, right? And we talk about this over and over, right? The psalmist knows this. That's why he says, yo, the Lord is a refuge for the persecuted. This is verse nine, a refuge in times of trouble. Then in verse 12, he goes on to say, yo, for the one who seeks an accounting for bloodshed remembers them, right? He does not forget the cry of the oppressed, right? Once again, this is the God who we serve, that hears the cries of the oppressed, who's just in his character, right? And verse 11 says this, essentially our lives are missional, right? At the core, meaning our job and one of our biggest goals should be in life, in 2021 and in life in general, is to bring people, right, um, to uh, Yahweh, right? Our praise is a form of proclamation, right? He says, sing to the Lord who dwells in Zion, proclaim his deed among the nations, right? Praise, guys, praise of Yahweh before others is a form of proclamation. All right, then Psalm 10 comes, and it has many similar themes. So some would say that these should be taken together. In fact, some early translations of the scriptures uh, like the Septuagint and the Vulgate, make these two one psalm, which is interesting. But nonetheless, the pitch of the psalmist's uh, voice is slightly different, right? So it's more of a lament about the disposition of the wicked. So verse four will say, yo, in all his scheming, the wicked person arrogantly thinks there's no accountability since there's 
know God. One of the major reasons the wicked oppose God in the way that they do is this, is that they ultimately believe that at the end of the day, they will get away with it. Right. So you even see this in our own lives. Right. We think about most of the time when we are tempted or we uh, fall prey to doing something we shouldn't do. We think that in some odd fashion that there's no accountability. Right. We think that we will ultimately get like nobody plans to do a crime and says, yeah, you know, most of the time, at least. Yeah. You know, I'm going to just do my 20 years of jail or prison after I do this. No. Right. You think that all right, I'm going to figure out a way to get away with this. And this is why the psalmist laments here about that. But I love what he says a few verses down. He says, yo, rise up, Lord. Lift up your hand. Do not forget the oppressed. This phrase, rise up, is so important and gets lost in our ears. Uh, one, because if you, like me, and you live in Atlanta, you associate this phrase with the Atlanta Falcons, right? But this is <laughs> the language of a divine warrior, right, that David and many of the other psalmists will use. Um, and this imagery is that of war and battle. So in other words, he is calling on God to fight for the oppressed, right? Not just simply acknowledge their state and their status, Right. And the same should be true of us. It's not just okay to know that oppression goes on in the world amongst people who are on the margins of society. No, it's we need to pray like this. Right. But more importantly, we need to be like this. Right. There are some battles as believers. We have to be willing to fight. And this is one of them. And I love. Yeah. 17. He goes on and says, yo, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their hearts. You will listen carefully, doing justice for the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere humans from the earth may terrify them no more. Talks about the fatherless, right? And the oppressed. Um, yeah, once again, God's heart beats, we've said this before, for the vulnerable of society and ours should too. So Psalm 11 comes much shorter and it speaks of where our refuge is, right? So again, once again, these Psalms are not always literally or logically connected. And so the Psalm starts off and says, how can you say to me, escape to mountains <laughs> like a bird. The bird imagery is good. And he's talking about his enemies. Uh, this is David here uh, talking about, you know, uh, God being his refuge. And he's like, man, how can you say to me, escape to the mountains like a bird? The bird imagery is good because, you know, birds are usually defenseless, right? They can't fight. Once again, they can't fight. They can only fly away. They can't run. They can run, but they can't like stand, right? They're unable to usually stand the ground. And David's like, man, even in me running, cats got got bow and arrows, right? He's like, what can the righteous do, right? It seems as if I am defenseless, I am powerless against the wicked, against people who are coming after me. And um, but he switches his tone in verse four. He says, "Yo, the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord, His throne is in heaven. His eyes watch, His gaze examines everyone. The Lord examines the righteous, but He hates the wicked and those who love." Violence. This was his consolation. Ironically enough, we can't see that God is on his throne. See what he says. He, we can't see that God is on his throne, but we can see and feel the very marks of the wicked afflicting us or afflicting God's people. Nonetheless, because we know that he is on his throne, which communicates his sovereignty, his rule and his reign, we can remember once again that it ain't getting swept under the rug. Right. God sees the righteous and at the same time sees the wicked. And that is only good news for one group of people on uh, that that phrase is only good news for one side of the two groups of people. Um, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright will see his face. 
One of the best hopes and most comforting images that the biblical narrative portrays is that we will see, one day we will see the one who has been looking out for us all along, right? Um, that's what the Bible gets at. That is the end game. Uh, we will see God's face in Revelation 22 uh, gets at this and it talks about, you know, there will be, there will no longer be any curse, right? The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Super good. Uh, such a consolation. God sits on a throne so high uh, that we can imagine uh, that there's nothing that he does not see. Psalm 12, last psalm of these four. Um, yeah, help me, Lord, for no faithful one remains. The loyal have disappeared from the human race. They lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. One of the ways the wickedness of humanity is so often shown is the way in which they speak with an intent to deceive, right? This is so good in that this is a community lament, uh, Psalm 12, over the uh, you know lying and deceptive speech of those that have earthly authority and power, right? And it's amazing that we see the same things all throughout history, where those with clever speech use that speech to manipulate, right, for some type of substantial Game. But by the end of the psalm, we have a contrast, right, of the words, deceptive and twisted and, uh, you know, underhanded words of the wicked and the words of Yahweh, right? And so verse 6 will say, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen furnace, purified seven times. In other words, every word you put your eyes to that is of God is pure, right? He is not out to trick you. He's not out to deceive you. He's not out to give you some false hope for his own selfish gain. His word is pure. His word is perfect. Hence the seven times, right? Purified seven times over um, the number of completion and perfection. And that should be your consolation today, right? As you look at God's word, remember that every word is pure and that it is perfect. And ultimately, his word is meant to make you like a person. And that is Jesus. Father, our prayer. That as we gaze at your word, that we would get a glimpse of you, that we would get a glimpse of God, and that your word will make us more like your son. We thank you that you fight for the oppressed. We pray that we will remember that if we feel the oppression of the world, but more importantly, uh, that we would do that if we don't. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.